This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livas. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the debut of the Woman Behind the Business radio show. I'm your host, Angel Livas, and I'm so excited to kick off this new journey with you. This new show is crafted with the woman entrepreneur in mind. However, guys, there will be nuggets of information relevant for you, too. Ladies, we felt it was time to have a weekly program designed to expand our entrepreneurial minds, bodies, and spirits. Today on The Woman Behind the Business, I have two dynamic women who are internationally acclaimed for their business-savvy ways to transform and create solutions globally. Our first guest is Helen... Fissa Hayek. Fissa Hayek. <laughs> well, she's the CEO and principal at F3 Global LLC. It's a capacity building strategy firm based in Washington, D.C., focused on health, agriculture, and entrepreneurship for private and public sector clients in Africa, Middle East, and the Caribbean. So talk to me a little bit about what all that is, because that's a mouthful. Right. Well, thank you first for having me here today. And I'm so excited about this show and what it means, not just for myself and being part of this conversation, but what it means for other women to hear about our experiences, our struggles, our daily lives and our businesses. Yes. Um, So to just tell you a little bit more about F3 Global, F3 Global has a double meaning. So it's focused on moving the future forward. It's also, you know, I'm big on generational wealth. Mm -hmm. So I see myself establishing that general generational wealth capacity building for my family, myself, my community. And F3 Global was really oriented around how do we help communities become part of the larger conversation, right? So we work across the continent of Africa with different entrepreneurs. We also work for universities, governments, NGOs, whoever our clients are. We also try to do some more work around the Caribbean as well as different parts of uh, the Middle East, specifically the Gulf region. And what we really look at is how do you build capacity? And I think capacity is a word that a lot of people don't understand. Yes, that's, yeah. that's the word that got me tripped up. That's why I'm like, okay, right, so like, what, what does that mean? mean? <laughs> right. Um, capacity is something that everybody needs, right? Mm-hmm. Building capacity is just building the skill sets, building the structures, building the systems, building the teams. Build, it's about building Okay. So when we say building capacity, it's your capacity to execute, right? So our thing is how do we help you, the client, the individual, the entrepreneur, the farmer, the ecosystem, mm-hmm. build up in a way that's sustainable, that's resilient, and that allows you to grow more? So where did this this whole idea of, of doing this stem from? I mean, I know you grew up in Sudan and right. you moved to Dallas at the age of five. So I'm just curious, like... Is it something that you always wanted to do, or did something happen in your life that transformed you into this new this career path? I think every part of my life experience got me to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, so my family was actually refugees. So I was born during the Eritrea versus Ethiopia war um, in the 80s. So my family was in Sudan. Well, my parents left the country during the war, moved to Sudan. We were born in the midst of that. And so a lot of people in this generation of my age group were actually born in Sudan because we fleed the war. And then my family moved to the U.S. as refugees through like IRC, the International Rescue Committee. Mm-hmm. And then we settled in Dallas. And so just like having that refugee experience as a young person mm-hmm. really does do something. Every experience that you have, regardless of what it is, yeah. does something for you. And so it, it's always made me more sympathetic to culture. It's always made me more sympathetic to the experiences of like immigrants or anybody who's just starting over. Right. The experience of starting over. I think it's probably my experience right. in life, right? right? Because I'm first generation, so neither of my parents went to college, high school, or any of that. Um, and so I had to figure out how to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a bunch of people saying, apply here, do this, this is where you go. All, my parents said one thing, we're here in this country, so you guys can go to school. <laughs> like, we did not make these trips around the world so you could just chill, right? Right. right. So that and that's ex- something that a lot of people take for granted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, my parents, having had no experiences mm-hmm. with school, only saw America as an opportunity. Right. That whole idea of, like, the land of opportunity really existed then. Mm-hmm. And I think it still does, um, you know, from however you perceive it. But for me, like, my dad drilled it into our head at, like, such a young age that it was, like, 
if you do like he literally said these words if you do not go to college you are not my child wait how, how did you gotta say it with his <laughs> you gotta accent <laughs> so my dad's like so my dad says this word and we thought for a really long time it was the wrong word my brother googled it in college so my dad's always like futurity and we're like dad that's not you mean the future right and he's like no this is for your futurity and i'm like Okay, he's like, whatever you do, you have to do for your free charity. Because if you don't do it for your free charity, you have no future. So you have to go to college. College starts with college. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, Dad. And then for forever, we'd be like, Dad, there's no word like free charity. And then like, when we got to college, my youngest brother, well, I only have one brother, but my younger brother, he was like, I'm going to Google this word. And he Googles it, and it's a real word. And so we're like, okay. So school us. What does free charity mean? You know, it's, it kind of, he actually used it in the right sense. Free charity, I think it means, like, like for, you know, the future, what's coming out, or for, like, you know, uh, what's going on in, later on in life. I have to Google it myself to remember. Right. But I just remember it was a real word, and that stumped me. I was like, for, like, 30 years of my life, I thought this man was saying the wrong word. Well, who am I to argue with my dad? But the point is, um, you know, he kind of drilled it into our head that we're going to school. So it was always like, whatever you do, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really about that is entrepreneurship. Whatever you do, figure it out. And so I think that kind of gave me the skill sets early on to do what I'm doing now mm-hmm. because I've always had to figure it out. So when high school rolled around. I have to figure out how I'm getting into this thing called college. I know everybody's going. Right. Um, and then he told me, like, well, we ain't paying for it. Like, we don't got no money. I'm like, clearly, I know this hard. <laughs> now, so. now, once you made it out of college right. and, you know, you started your career path, what were some of the things that you had to go through? Because a lot of times when you see someone and you know that they're very successful in their in their current state, you don't really necessarily know the journey that they went through to get to that state. So did you experience failure or was oh everything gosh. like an upward journey for you? Um, it is a story of failure. Like every, one thing about me that I think now has put me in this position is that I was always willing to try something different, mm-hmm. right? I was never like locked in and said, I'm not going to try that because it doesn't make sense for me. Mm-hmm. So I studied political science in school, mm-hmm. right? And then I did a graduate degree in like foreign policy. Um, and the interesting part about that was that I also worked at a marketing firm, you know, for Citigroup, at um, a data center, I mean, not a data center, um, the call center during college. Like, I've tried, I was a promoter, we ran clubs, we, I mean, like, like you I ran the to, gamut. <laughs> if I have to, if I have to be real, I just did so many random things, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, some really random stuff. Like, what was the most random? Oh, my gosh. Like, I I always saw opportunities. That was the one thing about me. So we were running these clubs in Dallas, right? And so we were, like, promoters. Because at first we were just doing, like, the basic, like, oh, handing out flyers. Because people were like, yo, we pay you extra money. Sure, why not? (laughs) That moved into, like... Yo, I don't like being out on the streets handing out people some pieces of paper. Let me hire like, somebody. Else. I, right, no, I want to be at the door. Like, so I moved myself to the door because I was a little too. I didn't have the right attitude to be serving people. So I was like, Yo, let me run the door. Right. So I was running the door, and then I kind of found myself a little hustle with the uh, bouncers. I was like, Look, they get in. You know, as long as y'all tip us and all these other stuff. <laughs> But one of the, my sister and my cousins will probably kill me, but um, because they were part of this. And so there was a woman that worked at one of the clubs that we managed. And she was like, oh, y'all want to make some extra money? We're like, yeah, sure. Like, what is it? And so she had like this connect. And the connect basically. Always a connect. Right. There's always always a connect. (laughs) The connect actually got her, you know, so when people buy bottle service, this is why I don't do bottle service because I know the game. So, um, you know, they charge a ridiculous amount of money for the bottle service, but there's usually a connect behind the club, right? Who's getting you these bottles for like mad cheap. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, yo, I'm the connect. <laughs> she was like, look, but we had connections at other clubs. Mm-hmm. So she was like, look, we'll sell them to you guys. You guys can resell them. So we're like, sure, we'll try doing that. And this is, all, and then we all, and then she also did bootleg DVDs. Lord. Like, <laughs> Well, let's keep it legal. <laughs> right. Like, that's what I said. <laughs> like, how crazy do you want to get? But um, you know what? The, the, I'm glad I kind of, like, looking back, I'm really glad I tried these different experiences because it taught me to be okay with, like, not making the sale. But all 
also it taught me that there's opportunity in everything and that mm-hmm. you can try if it succeeds great if it fails you learn something from it right. i became a lot more brave and because of those like experiences you um you gained your hustle Oh, definitely. The hustle game is real, it sounds like. Like, yeah. So I was in, I mean, that life was a bit ridiculous because I still had to make sure I was in school. So right. whether I was up till 5 a.m. running the clubs and lounges and whatever we were doing, I still had to show up to 8 o'clock class. Right. <laughs> like fully functioning and still had to turn in my papers. I still had to do that because the expectation of my family was always that you have to graduate. Right. So, you know, and I'm big on like trying to, you know, please my parents. Like they're awesome people. So shout out to them. But um, <laughs> so, you know, like I kind of always lived in a dual world, mm-hmm. like of like the culture, the Eritrean culture and like, you know, trying to be like the good daughter. But at the same time, like I'm out here trying to figure things out. Right. Because even though you're telling me to go to college, I went to college. But I don't really know what that path looks like after college. And there's nobody telling me, like, this is what it's going to do for you. So what was your journey to exploring um, going into international business? Um, I was real. So going into international business, it was a little different. Like, I didn't come out of college. First of all, let's be honest, like. I didn't graduate yesterday. So, you know, this was the days when I started school, cell phones were just coming out. Mm-hmm. The internet wasn't quite like it is today. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of like international consultants. Consultancies now are like a dime a dozen. But back in the day, it wasn't like that. When I say back in the day, it was not like 100 years ago, but um, a few years back. Um, so for me, the idea of like an international consultant, it, I didn't really know what that was. I just knew that I had to get a college degree, get a bachelor's, then then because of a lack of knowledge of where I was going, I knew that bachelor's and a political science degree didn't get me a job. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had to get like some sort of master's program. So that allowed me to kind of like refine my skills in terms of like knowing the international marketplace at a better uh, value chain, what, the, the, what all that stuff means. And then I just kind of found my way here, meaning I kind of tried, really. Like I was really big already with working with the communities, you know, immigrant communities, working with different organizations, volunteering, donating my time and energy to different like international organizations. So then it became a natural fit to just work for larger organizations, move to different areas, explore what's going on, and then get to a point where I said, you know what, I see a gap when I worked here. I saw a gap when I worked here. I saw a gap when I worked here. I saw a gap. And then eventually I was like, all these gaps are gaps that either I can wait for somebody to fix or, you know, I can go and do it myself. And I got to figure it out. Right. So when you started figuring it out, um, what was one of the, the main obstacle that you felt like you may have had to endure or may have been attributed to you being a woman? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the main obstacles of just, like, being a woman... Um, So one of my first experiences, I actually lived and worked in South Africa. And so I was managing this program, about four communities. I had these college students that I also managed. Um, They had, you know, mentors above them, and I was, like, the director above them. And so one of the first experiences was getting this, like, pow. Like, I was pretty young, so it was like, pow, like, hey, um, your gender actually matters but not in a positive way Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so I had this meeting where I was meeting a bunch of other guys that were like directors and they're Africans there too and I had these two younger white guys with me that I had to drop off to another community but I didn't want to go all the way back to pick them up and make this long route so I was like I'm going to take them with me have them come sit through this meeting and then I'm going to drop them off go about my business well (laughs) I get to the meeting these guys who are supposed to meet me they know my name too totally ignore me and head over to the two young guys and started talking to them. And I'm looking at them like, uh, bruh, hi, yeah, they're just college students. <laughs> and so the kids were like, uh, that's actually her, mm-hmm. you know, because they were totally confused as to why they're even coming over here. And rather than even apologizing or saying anything to me, they were just like, oh, okay, 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 let's move on. And then I was like, oh, okay. So do you think it's a cultural thing that can sometimes Definitely. Happen? Cultural, um, gender biases. It's all types of things. I think at the end of the day, like, 
I wasn't at a point where I was presenting myself like I am now. Mm-hmm. I, I would even say my confidence wasn't at the same level. Definitely wasn't. You know, I was now, right now, I would have firmly introduced myself before they even had a chance to look at these two guys. But back then, I was kind of waiting on them because they knew my name. They knew said Helen. I mean, if you don't know my last name, <laughs> at least you know Helen's a woman, right? I hope so. Um, so, you know, it's totally different. Um, about how old were you during that time? I was like 26. Okay. Yeah, about 26. So in learning these lessons, where are you now? What, where is your company, like the standing of your company, the things that you're doing, Mm -hmm. um, and the progress that you've seen and even in just your personal growth? Oh, we've come a long way. Um, (laughs) um, so I would say like from a personal growth perspective, like it's a lot of lessons learned, like a a lot of lessons around my time, valuing my time, but also valuing myself, you know, um, and being okay that some people just don't choose you, you know, that that's always hard because you work so hard to have them choose you. And when they don't choose you, you kind of personalize it a little bit where now I'm like, you know what, actually, let's do the opposite. Maybe I don't want you as a client. Right. Like you kind of have to test them out, too, where before it was just like, no, I want clients. I want clients. It didn't matter who they were. They're so there. I have past clients where I was like, why did I even take them? You know, and that's because I was just hungry to get a client where now I kind of choose better. You know, I make I'm more conscious about what I do in every area of my life. It's not just about it's not the money. It's not like trying to survive. It's more about like being conscious about the time and the energy that I put in on projects, the types of projects I go after, um, the types of people I even partner with. You know, I've had a lot of partnerships is something everybody promotes so widely. And I agree. Partnerships are important, but you have to vet your partners like the same way you vet your boyfriend. Well, I hope you do vet your boyfriend and girlfriend, whoever. Um, I hope you start vetting the same way because, you know, technically a lot of your projects go on for months and months, if not years. Right. And so you don't want to be bogged down by a partner who, you know, is uh, dishonest or tries to undercut you or anything like that. So I'm a lot more conscious about my partnerships now. Like I'm very conscious about them. Right. Right. So talk to me a little bit about your um, current projects that you're working on. Sure. Um, So we have some clients that I like love in Africa. Um, One of them being Association of Women in Business. So we're actually host. We just hosted an event in D.C. for them. A couple of events actually over the summer um, towards the end of 2017. And so Women Association of Women in Business is actually the largest women's organization that focuses on women entrepreneurs um, and just women in leadership in Ethiopia. Okay. And so it's started by a woman named Nahu Gurma, awesome woman, very powerful, but also such a leader. And so the organization, uh, you can go to www.aweb.et.org or Google them. Um, <laughs> their focus, I love their focus because what they're trying to do is they're not just another like, oh, it's women, we're in businesses come together. Their thing is how do we change the paradigm shift for women in general in Ethiopia? Because there's so much going on around women in the continent and what we have in America and the rights that we have here, there's a lot of that doesn't exist there. Right. And so they're trying to give women a voice, but more importantly, they're trying to give them a community. So I had the privilege of being there for their May Forum and speaking at the UN Africa there, doing some training and some work with them. And I was like, fell in love. I already loved them before I even went there. But then once I got there, it was like, oh, yes, you guys are my favorites. (laughs) One of my favorites. Um, So they're a really great organization. We work with them to kind of develop their diaspora side, you know, bring more attention to them, bring more women from the diaspora to get involved because it's important that it's not just the women on the ground doing the work, but it's women here connecting with those women so that they can go past Ethiopia, they can go to the rest of the continent. Right. So that's some work we're doing with them. We also work with an organization called Hive Uganda. They're a really great organization in northern Uganda. They focus on honey farming for people with disability. And so, yeah, the founders, two of them, are actually people with disability. Um, One of them is partially blind. Um, And so he learned as a young kid how to navigate honey farms and how to build honey, you know, like without sight. And one thing that happens in northern Uganda is that 
a lot of the people with disability leave and go to the capital in hopes of jobs, but because the disability community and the environment isn't very uh, con- conducive to you know their orientation or right. even makes set-asides to accommodate them, a lot of them end up on the streets. Mm. And so he got tired of seeing a lot of these people leave. And so what he decided to do is, you know what, if I can provide them with a system to grow honey, then they become their own entrepreneurs. And then they have a cooperative where the honey farm, the honey goes to, and they sell locally and internationally. So I love that a lot of the work <coughs> that you're doing is very initiative-driven. Mm-hmm. As a woman entrepreneur who is interested in doing international business, and our next guest is going to talk about this and help guide us through this as well, but how did you find out about these opportunities? Was it just that you were positioning yourself in the room with the people, or what, what did you do? It's, it is exactly that. It's positioning, like making sure that I'm actually active in these communities. So, for example, the way I um, learned about AWEB, Association of Women in Business, was because I spoke on a panel for the Ethiopian diaspora at George Washington. And the way I even got to that point was because, you know, sometimes co- I'm a big cafe fan, right? Sitting at this one cafe called Sadamo in DC literally has brought me business, connections, and everything else because I was like such a regular there that the actual owner became like my uncle. He's like my <laughs> uncle, literally. And so he would always, anybody that would come around and talk about Africa, he'd be like, go talk to Helen. She's sitting over there. That's her little office. <laughs> and he sent me this guy named Johannes once he introduced us. Johannes happens to be like this amazing entrepreneur who's now moved officially to Kenya who's doing a lot in agriculture and he hosts this annual, you know, big forum conference for Ethiopian entrepreneurs. And he said, you know what, I love the work you're doing. Could you come and um, sit on this panel and do a presentation at George Washington? I was like, sure, of course. Right. I always say yes. Right. Um, Now a little bit less so, but I still say yes. And so that, you know, opened up a lot of doors. Uh, Same thing with Hive. I met them through the Yali program, Um, another organization that I'm ambassador for, um, in Germany called uh, Ampion uh, Venture Bus. They asked me to go represent them at the Yali Foundation exhibition, and I did. And so I had a booth, and I talked about their company, I talked about my company. And so all these great African entrepreneurs came through my door. And from there, like, I connected with them, talked to them, and really started networking with them. And, you know, then I ended up getting Hive um, and a, a bunch of other organizations that I could work with. So that is awesome. And when we come back, we will be graced by the amazing international management consultant, Mai Burnett. Before we head into our second segment, it's time to get techie with Tech Talk. We have Miss Angela Dingle, CEO of Ex Nihilo, uh, in studio with us, and she'll be joining us on a regular to provide tips and information about technology, cybersecurity, and all things related to apps and anything that can help you boost your business. So, Angela, thank you for being in studio. Thank you, Angela. It's good to be here. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a CRM, right? Can you tell me exactly what a CRM is? It's a customer relationship management system. That's what the CRM stands for. And uh, it it provides you with additional uh, features, not just a list of all of your contacts, but additional information about them, like the name of their business. So you can tag them with specific information about what type of business that they do and keep a record of how frequently you've been in touch with them. And how is that beneficial? Like why, as an entrepreneur, is it important to make sure that you're keeping up with, like you just said, something as simple as, hey, I reached out to them last week. So it's really important for women business owners in particular to build really uh, broad and deep networks. We uh, network in a way that's different than our male counterparts, and a CRM such as Nutshell is one of the ways that you can effectively build out your network because it allows you to make connections between people, see how frequently you've been in touch with them, know the last time that you shared information about them. And so when you need a resource, instead of having to look through your whole contact list, you can go right into your CRM, look for a person like Angel that does radio, and be able to pull it right up. Okay, so you mentioned Nutshell. Never heard of it. What's Nutshell? Give us the, the shell on, on Nutshell. <laughs> nutshell is one of several cloud-based CRM systems. 
the thing that I love about it is there's a, a mobile app that's attached to it. You can uh, upload your contacts by taking pictures of their business cards, or you can go online and enter their information, or you can enter it via the app. And it's just one of different, one of many ways to to build relationships with your customers and with your clients and your colleagues. Now, one question that I know is most startup business owners are probably wondering, like, how much does this cost? Do they have a free level, or is it like you know? So you can get started with it for free. They've got a 14-day free trial, and I think once you try it out, you're going to love it. Okay. Uh, but it is there is a cost associated with it. It's somewhere in the in the range of about $25 per month, or $240 to $300 per year. Okay. Now, why outside of the connecting and the um, just like building my network? Is a CRM valuable? It's been really valuable to me because part of my strategy as a business owner has been to uh, partner with women business owners, for instance. And I, uh, the CRM allows me to keep track of where I may have met those women, what synergies there are between our firms, if they have um, products or services that are complementary to the work that I do. I can quickly just go right into the CRM app and find the find out that information about them instead of having to keep spreadsheets or mm-hmm. you know have an address book that has some information and a spreadsheet or more pieces of paper that have other things. It just gets you to the data that you need in a really in a really quick manner. And how long does it take to compile that information in the CRM? As short as it takes you to scan a business card. I just scan business cards as soon as I meet people. I've gone in and configured it so that I have tags so I can tell where I may have met them or something that's unique about them. And all of that data is available to me right at the swipe of a finger on my on my smartphone. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing with us information about Nutshell. And for more information about it, you can check it out on our website at wbbtalk.com. Welcome back. And as promised, we have Mamuna Burnett in studio with us. She's an international management consultant with over 11 years of experience working with Fortune 500 companies um, with the United States government and small to mid-sized businesses. Mai immigrated to the U.S. at age nine from Sierra Leone, West Africa. She has lived in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area for most of her life. So, I love that we have two dynamic women in studio with us still. Um, Helen is with us um, to continue on our conversation about doing business globally. And we left off the conversation with Helen sharing her journey and the different ways in which she was able to connect the dots to gain international business. So... I would love to hear your perspective, Mai, with some of the different things that you believe and encourage the, your clients to do mm-hmm. to, you know, go beyond borders to mm-hmm. do to get business. So thank you for having me, Angel. Um, hi, Helen. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Um, first off, I want to uh, just kind of piggyback on something that Helen said earlier um, that has uh, really helped me to like find opportunities um, in West Africa. Um, it's like actually like being at cafes and that informal like networking, um, you know, coffee shops. I, I myself, like Helen, I, I do a lot of my work, you know, at coffee shops. And many times I'll, I might hear someone talking about Africa or whatsoever next to me and I might just, you know, just naturally, organically get in the conversation. And um, next thing you know, you know, they're like, oh, what do you do? And, you know, like, oh, there's some opportunities. And um, my business partners in Nigeria right now, um, they started a group called Laura Group, um, three guys. And I met them here about five years ago. Um, I was supposed to move back, but I didn't move back. But I was still able to work with them virtually on some some projects they were doing um, in Nigeria. But I met them um, at a coffee shop. Um, So like that came out of that. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, You know, just talking about, you know, Africa. So ladies, if you are doing business in your home, talking about you got a home office. I'm gonna need you to get out your office, yes. find a coffee shop, right, and and talk to people. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the greatest benefits of um, of growing, or, or the greatest ways in which you can grow your business. Right. I am a huge advocate for getting up and going over and talking to people. Mm-hmm. Just you know, completely just off of right. a whim, like, hey, how you doing? There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. Right. But I think right. sometimes people are so afraid of rejection. Yeah, exactly. That that they won't even build up right. the courage to do that. Right. I think what helps with that also is like authenticity and passion. You know, people know when you're authentic and you're not like reaching, you're not trying, like you're not forcing yourself 
on them. You're not out there doing business development. It's just, <laughs> you know, you're just there. You're just there. You know, you just, it just comes organically. So I think that helps. Um, but one thing that has helped me a lot is um, I talk about um, doing business internationally, specifically in West Africa a lot. Where do you talk about it? Um, I talk about it with my friends. I talk about it, um, you know, on social media. Um, I've actually even gotten a, a, a a contract from PwC in Ghana because of me talking about, um, you know, consulting and, and consulting in Africa. You know, one of the directors reached out to me about three years ago um, and I went through the process with two partners. I actually have the contract. Um, the reason that I didn't go was because the Ebola outbreak had uh come right. about in Sierra Leone. I was going to be mm-hmm. a manager in Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. So that for me, it's like huge. I tell people that all the time, but it's because I was always talking about it right. and I'm passionate about it. And when the uh, director reached out to me in my inbox, he's like, I can tell you know what you're talking about. Right. right you know, right. so so um, so that um, and of course, like, you know, formal networking as well. They have a lot of like, um, you know, uh, entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur groups around, um, you know, that, that you can join, um, you know, to meet to meet people that mm-hmm. are doing business in Africa or interested um, but yeah, just just connecting with people, you'll be surprised at um, who knows who. And and when you say these entrepreneurial groups, like what groups are they? And Helen, are um, you familiar with any? Yeah, other? I mean, DC is really great for that, right. right? It's a small community, and to be honest, the Africa community are like one reach away from the next person. It, it's it, that small. It's so small. It's wow. that small. Um, you know, there's Yap. Yeah, Yap. Yap, yeah. African There's mm-hmm. all these other organizations. Yeah. There's also, like, meetups. Yes, Tons exactly. of meetup groups around Africa, Africa in tech, Africa in agriculture. I mean, honestly, if you Google your city, if you're active right. enough, you're going to meet one person who's going to tell you about three to four more events or networking events. And it's just really about yeah. growing your... Um, network organically right Right. and like you said the passion is really important because like all my friends because they know what I do they've talked to me about my projects I was just at a dinner for a going away dinner last night for a friend and he knows everything I've done he's always excited to promote me and this guy like used to work for World Bank now he's leaving for African Development Bank and so his network was so great so when I'm there I didn't even have to do anything he was just like do you know Helen do you know Helen do you know Helen I did did not pay him that happens (laughs) to me all the time they're like go talk to mine right that's exactly how it is and just through that you know you kind of expand Mm -hmm. your business you expand Mm -hmm. opportunities you expand partners Mm -hmm. Um, but you do have to be authentic because people see through that if you're not honest if you're not yeah. legitimate and your work is going to speak for itself so you can't yeah. actually have those types of advocates unless they've partnered worked with you or have had some sort of experience with you right so a quick example that I want to talk about is um I was a member of the city club and I went to visit some of my friends there the other day and um one of my friends was talking to a gentleman and I heard him say something about PwC and I think I heard him say something about Ghana so so my personality I just like hey you know are you from Ghana what are you doing this and that come to find out this guy is first cousins with the partner that gave me that contract in Ghana isn't that so random just so, so random small. it just shows you how small it yeah. is you and know? you never know who's around and who's listening or who you're right. talking to right you know and, and he's trying to do some uh, infrastructure development work in, in Ghana mm-hmm. and I know someone who who uh, gets investors from um, Wall Street um, to to invest in, in those projects um, and I've linked them up you know we're having conversations to meet is is that simple right that's that's really an important piece for me like i'm a big connector because and that's actually you know that's my natural being but as an as an effect it's caused me to get more business right right, right. because i'm like oh mm-hmm. i can't do what you do right or you can't do what i do but right. if i know somebody who can connect you or i, I know someone who's doing something in that I area got you. Exactly. i got you and i'm gonna make that connect right there and that's that's me all and, day <laughs> right and people really appreciate that because there's no point of hogging your network no because your network technically will be greater if you add more people to it exactly and so that's been a very helpful piece for me and actually people know me for that like a lot of my friends are like well, let me just refer them talent because I know she can find them somebody. somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, how do you go about vetting 
partners because I think that's really important. It's one thing to come across people and be like, oh yeah, you know, you seem like you know what you're talking about or you seem like, but if I have no understanding of what that job really entails, what are some suggestions for people to really be able to vet these people? For me, um, first I do research and, and I know my business very well, the um, you know, consulting world. Um, and consulting, it's hard to describe, right? For most people, I, I do business consulting, transformation consulting. Um, I, yeah, all that stuff, IT, strategy, all that stuff, right? So for me, when someone comes to me, um, I, I do my research. Like, you know, usually people have like uh, a website. I, you know, I go on their website, I ask certain questions, you know, I want to see past performance. And a lot of times, um, you know, it literally um, is it with, five degrees of separation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I usually end up connecting with someone else that knows this person. You know, I find a way and, and then a little bit of my instinct and I give mm-hmm. it a try, you know. So, um, so yeah, that, that's how it is. Yeah, I would agree with those. I would also add, like, LinkedIn's a powerful vehicle because mm-hmm. it'll tell mm-hmm. you who knows who. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't know, you can go on your LinkedIn and see, okay, well, they know these three people right. that I know, right? And you can look at some of the... Um, articles that they've published work that they've done so it's a, i always look at linkedin really quickly because not everybody's like like you were talking about earlier you're a social media person i'm not really a social media person so if you went online to find me and just like google all my stuff you wouldn't find 80 percent of the projects because i just don't post things i'm gonna get better in 2018 i promise but <laughs> but currently i'm one of those people that's really focused on the work right. so if you want past performance i got you all day you can go talk to any embassy that i've worked for right. or countries or governments or whoever and they'll say great things so i let my work speak for itself so a lot of my clients and projects actually come through you know word of mouth right like, hey we worked with her she was great blah 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 so am I, how did you get started um or what was one of the determining factors to get you involved in the direction of global um business development or um opportunities and consulting for me it was giving back that you know if that's even why i took the contract with pwc it was you know what i i have all these skills i've i've done a lot in the u.s government um particularly to improve the system and i've always felt guilty as to okay my god like my people are over there in west africa and they could use me they can they need someone like me i can help you know um so that's that's how uh that came about and then again because i thought like that naturally opportunities came to me Mm -hmm. um like the guys uh law group guys the nigerian guys that are in nigeria i talked about um you know at a coffee shop right i just met them and i was able to work on a presidential campaign with them doing social media strategy you know things like that virtually um so so like like that um but another thing um another thing is um I wanted to go back to earlier about how I, I find opportunities. Is um, I was in Turks and Caicos on vacation, and um, you know we met a gentleman that owns a store, a businessman, and he was complaining about his business not being efficient and things like that. And you know I was like, oh, I know I know how to do this stuff or whatever. But my friend was the one that really sold me. She's like, I can do that stuff in her sleep. So <laughs> next thing you know, we're having conversations. Next thing you know, I'm signing a contract, and there's three of us on the project, just like that. Right. Your friends could really be the biggest advocates right. for you. They really can. Right. They really can. Mm-hmm. And the power of speaking. Speaking, yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. it into existence, the things that you're looking for, mm-hmm. the opportunities right. that you want to start coming your way. So when it comes to um, working internationally, a lot of the conversation that we have discussed has kind of evolved around you, it being your native land. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like me who is from the U.S., but I have dreams of diving into international territory um, where my reasoning may not be because, you know, I'm, this is where I'm from, right, right. but this is I just am passionate about right. globally seeing improvements in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, where would I start? 
like I don't know what coffee shop to go to. <laughs> right, right. I don't know like the language of speaking like you know about Africa. I don't know. I would I would start with these organizations, right? If you don't know people, just start with the African organizations like Yap and um you know Afri- uh, Techs in Africa. You know, like, like like Helen said, you can Google. There are a bunch mm-hmm. of them. I would start with that, and also um you know especially in this DC area, most of us have like. African, African friend. friend. I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. talk to, let's keep it real, right? So many of us here. Talk to your friends or whatever. Ask them questions, you know, um, and things like that. And a lot of times people can, they would lead you in the right direction um, mm-hmm. where you can, you know, start, uh, um, you know, having conversations about opportunities. Um, research, right? They have some, um, like some of these embassies have like diaspora, mm-hmm. um, like uh, job opportunities and things like that. But the most important thing I would say is um, try to learn about the culture where, you, where you're going. That's what impacts the success more than anything. Right. And, and that's one of the things I was about to get at. And not just in Africa, but I also think in, like you said, Turks and Caicos mm-hmm. and um, the Caribbean. And mm-hmm. so, or wherever it is that you're trying to go, I feel like women, we already have obstacles that mm-hmm. we're trying to overcome. And so I kind of want to move into that direction um, for a little bit because I'm curious to know what have you seen culturally when you go to these other countries and how they may treat you or experiences that you may have had um, as it relates to you being a woman coming into another country, trying to tell them this is how we're about to do X, Y, Z project. Right. Um, So I know in, in, in West Africa, I mean, it's a challenge for women. That was one of my biggest fears. Um, my partners actually said, because they're guys, they said, you know, my, you know, our concern is all these guys are going to want to start dating you. These powerful right. men that we work with, you know, um, you, as someone told me that in Sierra Leone when I was going to go work in Sierra Leone. They're like, oh, this person's going to, you know, this powerful person. Um, I worked on a campaign for... Um, for a guy in Sierra Leone, one of the wealthiest guys in in in, uh, in Sierra Leone, um, he he manages a diamond company, and uh, one of my partners, uh, he said to me, he said he's going to try to come at you. That's what they do, you know. So that's the challenge, like you face when you work in Africa, when you work um, in the Caribbean. Right. I didn't face it so much in Turks and Caicos because I worked directly with my. Um, with the owner, but even him, like, you know, there were times where I'm like, okay, I think this guy's attracted to me. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. He didn't come at me, but you can, you can just feel he was fond of me, you know, because I was a woman, I'm a young woman. So now are there websites? I know that we've talked about the different meetups. I know that we've Mm -hmm. talked about, um, going to the coffee shops, (laughs) but are there different websites that you can go like in DC? I know that there are websites that you can go to, to find like government contracts and things like that, or in whatever States in the U S you can go to find and learn about opportunities. Is there a place that you go to learn about, Hey, this country has these opportunities. Uh, do you know I, I would say one of the first things you need to do is connect with your local embassy and get in, t- get in touch with your commercial attache mm-hmm. because that person is usually the liaison between the two countries uh, in terms of business. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a hold of that person, and it, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy. Every country is different, mm-hmm. so I can't tell you like one is better than the other. But they are technically the resource center for their country's commercial side. Mm-hmm. And so have a conversation with them. Figure out what events they'll be at. You know, Do your research, meaning like show up to actual conferences, mm-hmm. seminars, meetings. Learn first right. about those, what's going on in those countries, what hot topics are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like get engaged. So if you start with your embassy, because technically the embassy is supposed to be the first sense of uh, resources. Right. And then the embassy can say, you know what, here's like five diaspora organizations mm-hmm. that we know about mm-hmm. locally that you can connect to. Start connecting with them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another thing that I would say is really good is nonprofits are really good right. because nonprofits technically have for-profit partners. Mm-hmm. So if you go onto their websites, you can find out, oh, well, they're partnered with A, B, and C companies. And if you reach out to them, they're usually more accessible and they can say, oh, well, let me connect you with John at A and B, C commercial or management consulting and then you can start the conversation. Coffee dates, like when I first started, the first thing I did was like, I have so many coffee dates. This is why I should have shares in Sadamo, if you hear me, and he already knows this. Um, because I literally, from 8 a.m. to like 5, 6, 
people were rolling through that office <laughs> having coffee with me, you know, because I wanted to learn. I was like, okay, what's going on in Kenya? Okay, so I would meet with different people that are working in Kenya. What's going on in Ghana? I would meet with more people. What's going on in South Africa? I would do my research. I would attend a lot of events. I would meet with embassies. I would go to, you know, diplomat dinners. I would do whatever it was so I can learn. Right, right. Once I started understanding what's going on in those sectors, you know, that's where I moved from entrepreneurship into agriculture. That's where I moved from agriculture mm-hmm. into health. And that's how we connected our whole right. capacity building in those three sectors. Right. And so I would say, you know, the reality is I could say go to this website specifically. Right. right. But do your homework, essentially. Yeah. Do your homework. Yeah. You have to figure out where... Where mm-hmm. is right for you right. and where you should start. And where you'll see the gaps. That's the thing. When you learn, right. you start seeing gaps yeah. that you never even thought existed. Right. And right. then you will be able to assess your own skill sets and say, oh, well, you know what? I thought I was going to be in education, but education doesn't make sense for the three countries I'm mm-hmm. interested in. Actually, maybe I could take, you know, trainings and mm-hmm. take trainings in agriculture right. in these three countries because agriculture is a big component of it right now. And African Development Bank, right. IMF, whoever is funding these projects right so show up to the world bank series events right it, right and connect yeah. with people and, 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 and for me um fortunately for me my mom is a diplomat back home so i've been to world bank uh, events imf events you know with her i've traveled overseas you know she's like oh you want to come and i actually go to events and i've met business people through that as well so yeah right. yeah it's very great can i say something though um uh i i, I want everyone to know that you know, many times, um, like these third world countries, like in West, Af- like uh, countries in West Africa um, that I'm familiar with, or like in the Turks and Caicos, they're looking to work with Americans, yeah, right. like big time. Mm-hmm. You know, because they know, you know, usually our skill sets are like really, really above, like average. You know, the average business person here, right? Like they're looking to partner. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, are opportunities. I mean, that's that's the privilege that you have, I think. Like being right. an American, holding an American uh, citizenship. Right. You know, actually, even your accent right your accent is a privilege that a lot of us don't recognize right um and then on top of it like just like a lot of people will leave this country go to africa take a job that's like 40 50 percent less Mm -hmm. better title and then come back and make three times more here because what it says is that you can adapt to an environment you can you know work with different governments you can do all these things and so you see a lot of diasporans actually leaving going back home working and either staying and developing businesses there or they're coming back back here and working for the larger institutions. One of the things that is most important to me with the woman behind the business is sharing a valley moment or for people to have practical takeaways where they know um, they walk away with something. And I feel like we've given them a lot. And I'm so grateful that both of you have agreed to come on and share your stories, share some of the different challenges that you've experienced. But at this moment, I need to know something that was either an aha moment where it was like you were at your lowest point. It was you you really had to kind of dig down deep and push forward because a lot of times People don't. They break. Or they say, I can't take this anymore. And I feel like there's someone listening that needs to know Mm -hmm. you're not at your breaking point. You're at your almost transition point. Mm -hmm. If you just keep pushing through, your breakthrough is on the other side. So Mm my, I'm going to start with you because Helen talks (laughs) (laughs) long-winded. I do. I have to agree. So um, for me, actually, I've had several like valley moments. Um, that's part of life. Like, um, you know, not to blow my own horn, but many times people are like, you've done so well and this and that. And I always stop them like, you know, I've been through a lot to get where I'm at. Um, so and I and I share my stories because, like you said, it's important. Um, so for me, a recent one was um, I founded an organization called um uh, Women's Empowerment Network. Um, it's very informal. Um, it started off because, again, I'm a connector. Um, I That's before I was going to move to Sierra Leone, actually. I was like, oh, I know all these fabulous women. You know, I need to bring all of them together so, like, they can connect and, you know, do stuff. So I had my first event at um, the Mandarin November 2014. Very, very, like, informal. It turned out to be really well. I got really great feedback. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, you got to, like, this is something you have. And I'm like, I'm busy. I'm trying to do my business and stuff. You know, so um, anyway, so then I pulled some partners in the next 
for the next year. We did another um, brunch and we were supposed to have like quarterly events and all these things. Um, I pulled partners in because, you know, I am, I'm all about collaboration. I don't know it all. Right. Um, I'm one of those people I can bring people out, but the planning and all of that, like I'm not good with that. So I needed partners. <laughs> right. So um, so I pulled partners in. Um, then started having issues with the partners. It's almost like they were slowing me down. And so like they were dropping off. And then there was like one more last year. And and she just like totally went rogue on me. Um, and, you know, I was devastated because I'm like, how am I going to do this by myself? Because the whole purpose of women, the Women's Empowerment Network um, and trying to build it into a formal organization was to empower women professionally and socially. And I know that's like common with these groups. But me, really, I wanted to like um, share stories, like have women like you all come talk to talk to the women, you know, tell them about like, you know, what you're doing, you know, encourage women. I wanted to uh, do we've done financial seminars, um, you know, health stuff, things like that, just to encourage women to be better and actually do like wine trips and stuff, the fun stuff that I like to do too. <laughs> so, um, so that was the whole purpose of that. And, um, so anyway, so everything fell through, um, and for like two months or three months, I was just at a standstill. I'm like, I cannot let this go. God put this in my heart. Like that first event, I remember like, it was like, you got to do it before you get out of here. And so, um, I just like, I couldn't let it go, but I was really in a dark place because I was like, how am I going to like handle this? So fast forward to, I went to the, um, the woman behind the business retreat and I met these like amazing women and most of them were like oh my god yeah I can I can come and talk I can do this I can I mean it was like god like it was seriously I'm sorry I'm very spiritual but I was like this is why all that happened I had to let go of those those people didn't belong there with me mm -hmm. you know they didn't have the same passion I have for what I'm doing they didn't understand the vision because it became about money like let's try to get grants let's do this let's do that I mean everything just changed and it's like that's not what I wanted to do it for I wanted to do it you know as a not-for-profit you know um, business but but that was a really bad moment for me um, because I was I'm just not someone that gives up and I was like you can't give up but it got really dark um, for me and it got really dark at work um, you know, it just got really bad. So, um, and I, cause I was trying to find a new job and this and that. So fast forward to now, like it's good. Everything is aligning. You know, I have the job that I want. Um, you know, again, I have, I've, I've met women who want to help out, you know, who are volunteering to help out. And some of them have told me like, this is a great idea. Don't let it go. Um, even partner with like Angel, you know, her niche is like business, but you know, like, you know, having some of the women, you know, um, come to your events and things like that, vice versa. So anyway, so that was my dark moment. I know that was kind of long, but it was really dark. But <laughs> you know what? I'm good. I came out of it. It happens because a lot of times when God wants to push you forward, you hear this all the time and it's so true. Like you do have to take a step back. I took a step back and I was like on the floor, <laughs> like yeah. literally. So yeah. but anyway, that was that was mine. Thank Just you for sharing. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. All right, Helen Boo, what's yours? Um, man, I think I'm still kind of in my little part of it. No, part of it, honestly, like what you said is absolutely correct. So I had, I, in 2016, I started this project that I feel like I'm spiritual too, so I felt like God put it in my heart. And it came from college, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about Omanis, okay? the government of Oman or anything. But I knew I wanted to do this um, this big conference in Oman focused around women entrepreneurs and trade and all these great things. And for a long time, I've had different partners on it. But it wasn't necessarily for Oman. It was just Middle East women. Mm -hmm. And then years ago, I met this other woman who was like had the same synergy and energy. We wrote out a plan. It went great. She kind of went left and left me hanging. I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, you know, sat it down for a second and then God reintroduced it again. And so one of my interns, actually, we were at another event. And so she, by chance, was like, Helen, meet this guy. Turns out the guy was doing work in Qatar and Kuwait. So he was like, oh. And I said, you know what? I'm, I have this project that I started years ago. Maybe like, I mean, let's have this conversation. We had the conversation. He was like, I love it. Let's go for it. Da -da -da -da. We turned it into something different. And then just, you know, alignment and next thing I know, I'm a country I barely knew anything about. I became like the master of information on this country because I like got connected to the embassy, got connected to the culture center. And like, it seemed like every door was just opening. Yeah. You're like, yes, Sorry. you're running like at full speed ahead. You're getting all kinds of partners. You're moving. And then everybody dies. 
No joke. Like everybody dies. Like I know that sounds really crazy, but like like car- literally like dead yeah, in the like, ground. Like like yeah. So oh. one of my biggest advocate on the project, like God rest her soul, was a commercial at the Shea for the country, and so she passed away. And right when we were like in the midst of everything, and then that just threw everything off. And I was like, whoa, okay, mm-hmm. like okay, what just happened? And then, you know, our good friend Trump comes in and there's no ambassador. Um, You know, the embassy abroad changes and it just went from one little thing to everything. And I mean, we spent a year, literally, I dedicated 60% of my life just on this project. Mm. So I lost a lot of income just focusing on that project alone. We had a lot of partners sitting at the table and I'm just like, wow, how did this happen, right? Because you got to question the decisions you made Mm -hmm. you know like it was crazy and then at some point you know i kind of got into it with my partner a little bit but at some point i was like okay i yeah i don't know i really don't know but on the bright side what i learned now right at the end of this year is that i literally had to go through that entire experience Right, and it's not over because I will get this project. Mm-hmm. You hear me, Oman? I will get this project. <laughs> claim it, <laughs> claim it. I'm claiming it. That's this project right. is gonna happen. Trust me. Um, but I'm so thankful to God for all the trials, every single, you know, good and bad experience. Because had it not, had I not had that experience, and had I not learned those skill sets, how to assert myself, how to sit in front of ambassadors, how to talk to prime ministers, how to do all these things, mm-hmm. the current projects I have right now. I can move them the way I can now. Mm-hmm. So while it's scary and it gets dark, and sometimes mm-hmm. it goes pitch black on you. Pitch black. Um, and oh, while gosh. you're in tears, questioning every life decision you've ever made um, in front of ice cream and wine, <laughs> like <laughs> you have to be, you know, you have to understand that unless you're dead, it's literally yeah, an opportunity, moving. yeah, to keep moving. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thankful to every good and bad experience. Right. I believe in certain situations. You almost have to be, the rug has to be pulled from underneath you to make you fall down on your knees Mm. and have faith. Yep. So with that, thank you, Helen, for joining us. Thank you, Mai, for joining us. Can you please give us your social media handle, your website, so we can stay stay connected? Sure. Um, Just www.f3global.co. You can do at h. F Ziggy, my last name's too long for everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or just Google uh, F3 Global LLC and all our social media will pop up. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Bye. Okay, great. So um, for the Women's Empowerment Network, um, it's uh, we-networkusa.com. Um, you can search for My Burnett um, on uh, Facebook. Oh, I also have a show, a cooking show. Um, so it's My Kitchen Show on Facebook. Um, and on Instagram, it's uh, My Blessed Life. So yeah. Okay, awesome. Before we wrap up today's episode, we want to leave you with a WBB health tip. This week on WBB Health Tips, we have Dr. Tia Hill in studio with us to talk to us about how to maintain a great mental balance. So Dr. Hill... I know that a lot of times people are like, yo, it's so hard to balance, you know, being a wife, uh, you know, a mother, the CEO, a friend, a sister, a daughter. So how do you take that time out for self mm-hmm. and, and maintain good mental balance across the board? Set your day. However you start up, it start your day is how your day will be. So I hear people say, I cannot get up at five. However, your house is quiet at five. That can be the most powerful hour of your whole day because you're able to get up, make you a cup of coffee, sit in your sitting room, look outside, reflect, be quiet and enjoy the solace of your home or work out or meditate, read whatever you're into. But you have the ability to set the tone of your day. Now, that's something that um, I often read about and and. 
I used to be very good at that. <laughs> um, but then I realized, okay, five o'clock doesn't give me enough time because the kids are up by 630. Um, but it's true. Um, I read this one book and it said, you know, to set bookends mm-hmm. to your day where mm-hmm. you don't pick up the phone. You don't, you know, you turn the phone off at a certain time in the evening where you know that your day is going to start by meditation, working out and doing your MIP, your most important yep. task. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I totally I totally agree with that. Um, but outside of starting your day and ending your day with those bookends, what are some things that we can do to kind of maintain balance when things kind of get off kilt in the middle of the day? Eat lunch. And, and now you're going to laugh at me. You see it in my, my face, right? I do. But here's the thing. You're, the reason the government gave you that 30-minute break is so that you can push back. Going, just running, 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 you're not doing anything because, you know, it's a known fact that if you're just going, you're not accomplishing anything. So you're most, you accomplish more tasks in 45 minutes than you do in five hours. Mm -hmm. Take the 30 minute lunch break. Take the hour lunch break. Step back, eat, allow your body to refuel. Allow your endorphins and your stomach, mom, try not to use all the medical words, to just do what they need to do. You let them gastric smoke, you know. Really, the gastric? Acid, I know, I'm trying I not you to just use it. But <laughs> let that acid go and you'll be surprised. You'll come back, you'll be like, huh, now don't eat nothing heavy. Like if you got a lot of work, they don't eat no like, like don't go to Roofs or Mastro's for lunch. But get you a good salad, something, just to give you the opportunity to step back and enjoy something that's not stimulating your mind. Awesome. Thank you so much for that and sharing that information on mental balance. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about nutrition Mm -hmm. and how nutrition Mm -hmm. can fuel your body and keep you going and elevated. Yes, ma'am. All right. So if you want to learn more about Dr. Tia Hill's methods, you can visit us online at WBBtalk.com. Until then, we will see you next week. Goodbye. All right, that's the show for today. So please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com, and be sure to follow us on social media at wbbtalk. A special thank you to our show producer, Cal Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.